podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello and wo- hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Chessie Hour. I am your host Daniel Soft for today. It's international break, but we've got a lot to get through, and I'm joined here by my fellow co-host Meads. What are you saying, bro? I'm good, bro. How are you doing? All good. And you know what? Usually when an international break comes along, I'm sad. I'm like, nah, I need football. But for some reason, I'm content. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm content with the break. Maybe it's because we're the top of the league. We're top of the league. We're European champions. Roman's back in town. And we've also got my good friend, Buzzy, on. What are you saying, bro? What's good? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's easy to 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 just chill when you're the when you're the champions, when you're top of the league. Um, it feels just chill, but listen, we're Chelsea fans, in it, so it's not like we're celebrating being top of the league that hard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, unlike business some other as lot, usual, you know. <laughs> I'm like other clubs that celebrate yeah. after two games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Moga really get really, yeah, they get really happy that like, they're still waiting for United to be great again. But obviously, Newcastle United. I think maybe we can even start here. Maybe we can start here because the news has come through that Newcastle have. Um, Basically, I think Roman set the mould, didn't he? It was Roman was the first one that shocked the football world with this big, massive billionaire takeover. And we've had copycats since. And Newcastle are the latest ones. So basically, I'm going to come to you first, Buzzy, and then over to you, Meads. Are you kind of scared or rocked by Newcastle? Just give me your thoughts on these guys, because they're probably going to be our rivals. Yeah, I'll say outright that the first thing anyone's going to say about this uh, is... Oh, that's if, if you criticize it in any way, it's going to be, oh, that's rich coming from Chelsea fans, because obviously with Roman, uh, it, it could easily be con, uh, construed as hypocritical to, to criticize it. Um, and yeah, to a degree, that's the game, right? These rich owners coming in and changing the clubs. Um, I think in an ideal world, um, there would be some sort of uh, at least guidelines or um, not even on the financial side, but on sort of the Premier League's <laughs> uh, moral obligation to kind of vet the owners or, or do something about, um, and this could apply to Chelsea too, if you think it does, by all means, um, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of, of morality guidelines or uh, Buzzy. checking Buzzy, the what's, what's up? Buzzy, what's, what's wrong with the owners of Newcastle? Tell me, what, what is wrong? I don't even know because I hear all of this, but what, what did they specifically do wrong? Well, in, in, in one hand, it's the pure sum of the money, right? That's a different topic. That's sort of the issue with, um, that's sort of the issue with city's owners and PSG's owners, these infinite sums of, uh, of you know, nation state backed football clubs. Um, the other side is the sports washing 
whitewashing aspect of using their funds to sort of legitimize um, themselves and their funding through these football clubs. Um, I read, I think the, the piece that comes to mind most, if anyone wants a full background, uh, Miguel Delaney um, over at The Independent wrote- um, oh, We don't really promote our book. Uh, that uh, said, um, uh, I really <laughs> just trying to get his sources up for man's like we don't promote. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I don't want to rip off anyone's work. I'm, you know, I'm a okay. writer. Okay, that's important. Um, citing, I'm citing where I read this. It didn't just appear in my in my head uh, on its yeah. own. Um, you know, um, Saudi-led coalition in Yemen, um, indiscriminate attacks on homes and hospitals. All these sorts of things are related to the owning group in Saudi Arabia. Uh, that are now yeah. backing this team. And um, they are several times richer than even Manchester City's owners. So definitely a pretty dicey situation. Um, I'm not going to make too hard of a line, but I think that is a lot of people's concerns is from the morality aspects getting involved. Yeah. In, uh, you know, what's funny? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, oh, just, sorry, just to wrap that up, just like in addition to the like, wow, this is going to be impossible to compete with if these if these sides aren't regulated and they're allowed to spend as much as their owners have, that's a different problem. But on top of it, these sort of like, it's it's hard as a fan to even get excited or root for these teams when these are the people behind them. If you think about it too long, obviously any any fan just wants their team to win, so a lot of people don't care. Um, yeah. But it's it's getting sticky, and I can't really see the endpoint for this uh, without some serious regulation, which I kind of right, doubt. Well, I'll come to me then. Just like when it comes down to even you know your I don't know if you got look Buzzy, you sound like an Android guy. But even that iPhone, you know what I'm saying? If Apple was taking over a club, no one would be like, oh, but look at all the... In fact, people will be. But when it comes down to it, a lot of these billionaires, there seems to be links to some sort of atrocity somewhere. As you mentioned, Roman as well. I don't know too deep about it, but everyone's saying that Roman's a bad owner because apparently he's done some things. Needs, what are your thoughts? Um, kind of respond to everything that Buzzy said, but just your pure thoughts on the Newcastle takeover as well. Um, honestly, I don't really mind it too much because despite all of that, um, we still have the best owner in world football. Um, so I don't really have that much fears. Obviously, they are going to be a rival. And with that, um, the likelihood of us winning stuff and competing for stuff <coughs> obviously gets reduced, but I don't really mind that. I feel like one thing that Chelsea have been guilty of for quite a, a bit of time is um, resting on their laurels sometimes. And I feel that that also just breeds uh, content. Um, and I feel like we need someone like I, I feel we need more competition. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's, better, it's a better product. Um, we work mm -hmm. obviously like the Super League, for example, um, <laughs> that was fail a failed project. But ultimately, yeah. the Premier League are creating a Super League, um, and yeah. that's probably why they've kind of pushed this thing through because they've seen they've seen a lot of you know the big clubs looking to trying to break away and. Mm -hmm. The more commercially viable the Premier League becomes, the better it is for them, and the better yeah. it is for Premier League clubs ultimately. Um, so I, 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 I don't mind it too much. I'm not too sad. I know that, to be honest, the moral side of it, of course, there is going to be some problems um, because I don't think that anyone's hands are, are clean generally, as a as a football owner in in terms of like amassing vast sums of money. There's always going to be some element of um, immoral behaviours, but obviously some more than others. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like they're going to come under scrutiny. I think that Newcastle should be very aware and prepared for the scrutiny mm -hmm. that they'll get. But ultimately, mm -hmm. who really cares if it's really just about football? Ultimately, this is what a lot of people are really caring about. 
if, yeah. if we're being honest. Yeah, and as you said, if we if we wait long enough, most, if not every team in the league may just have one such owner and parity will be restored by everybody spending too much. Like if they all have yeah. these funds, they all have this money. Um, yeah. yeah. You kind of erase the problem of, of, of competitiveness. Uh, the other leagues might be in trouble though if they if they don't um, get such owners. Yeah, we don't, we don't really care about other leagues. This is a, this is a Premier League uh, slate of podcasts. But also here's the thing I don't like. When people don't like the envelope being pushed and talking about it's, it's they're, they're ruining competition by being too good. No, it's on everybody else's job to catch up. Do you know what I'm saying? Man City pushed the envelope by those guys coming in, just as we pushed the envelope before. And as soon as Roman came in, everyone was saying, oh, he's not going to stick around. Do you know what the doomsdayers always do? They paint the worst dystopian future for your club because they're jealous. That's what happens. We remember, I'm sure, Buzzy, you remember me. Do you remember? As soon as Roman came in, not going to last long it'll be a couple years it'll be a couple of years and get born and sell up yeah yeah and yeah it's always the one it's always the one city owners have been here for 10 years ours obviously 17 years psg guys are us 10 10 12 years wow so yeah the notion that you know they're gonna pack it up i feel like a lot of these people need to understand when it comes to these sorts of investments yes it may It may be a situation where they're thinking, okay, they might leave, might get bored. It's a plaything to them. But ultimately, it kind of builds prestige. Owning a football club builds prestige. I don't think any of these owners believe that owning a club will make them money. PSG, absolutely not. Man City, absolutely not. We've all seen how much money Roman's invested and not taking really a penny out of the club. It's not really going to make him money. But in terms of prestige and asset of real commercial value, it is one of the best things that one of these billionaires can own, you know? Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Lampard is linked with uh, the Newcastle job. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel if Lampard becomes the Newcastle manager? Um, yeah, just generally. Buzzy will generally, through. I feel great for him. Honestly, great for him. But he will be out of there very, very quickly because... Yeah they'll realise very quickly that that's, you know, he's really not the levels required. I feel like, but then then again, at the same time, look at who their manager is currently, Steve Bruce. I think you need to make gradual incremental jumps rather than a a massive seismic leap. Um, I feel like Chelsea, our position was quite different because we had Claudio Ranieri, we finished third or second before um, Jose came in. So I feel like it's, um, we just need to take that extra step. Um, whereas Newcastle, they need to build, you know. So it's a it's a different game. Mm-hmm. Maybe Lampard might be a, a, a decent a decent enough um, acquisition um, because he can it's maybe able to generate interest in terms of two, players coming there. Two Chelsea two Chelsea managers are linked: Lampard and Conte as well. Conte is a worry. Conte will be a worry. Yeah. yeah. Conte will be a big worry because not only will he get the players he wants, Newcastle don't Newcastle and their fans don't have an expectation of having glitz and glamour players. Exactly. So therefore, Conte will be able to Buy sell the idea of signing a, a you know, not saying that Victor Moses, like the Victor Moses and stuff. Adama, like, Adama. You know what I mean? The Adama Traores and stuff. Like they could get away with it. You know, there's no, there's no. Oh yeah, that but. You know, we're Chelsea, we should do this. Oh, no, we're United, so we should do this. You know, there's none of that. Newcastle are going to be like, okay, we need to fake, we need to get glory. So what's the manager going to bring us? What, what's Conte going to bring us? That winning philosophy, yeah. great style of football, um, and the ability to compete. 
And yeah. he's got to take them to a place where Newcastle fans always felt that they and, belong. So and and the thing and the thing is with Conte, um, and I'll come to you, Buzzy, in a second. But Conte, <laughs> he didn't want to go to Spurs because look, if you look at Conte's league winning record, like mostly. I think there's only like two seasons in the last seven or whatever that he's managed that he hasn't won the league. Yeah. So Conte will be urgent. Conte won't be like in five years. Conte will be like, no, I, I want to win the league now. Uh, Buzzy. So Conte, Lampard, two ex-Chelsea managers linked. What's your general thoughts about it? Yeah, I echo a lot of what Mead said. I think we'll either look back at this point and, and we'll either laugh at like, this is the beginning of the end of Newcastle, uh, <laughs> uh, former humble days and they're back to the top after a ton of spending five years from now or like you said not every owner group um not every owner group invests that much money and uh and it ends up being one of those things where it's like yeah they have rich owners but they never made that good advice um that said with those managers uh yeah i have to think you get someone like conte that's like okay title aspirations lampard for current newcastle you're like yeah that makes sense but if he's going to be on this team that's going to be spending a lot of money, bringing new players and be expected to start challenging for things in the next few years, if they do spend as much and buy as many new players as kind of people are either looking forward to or are worried about, um, Lampard has a lot to prove given, given that he's not quite up to snuff uh, at Chelsea for a title winning team. So okay. Conte would be, would be a All big right. get if that's really the direction that they're going to go in. So that was a little preview of a, a podcast we might have coming. Touch line time. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We might need it. But let's talk about, let's get deep into just pure Chelsea stuff right now. And what I want to talk about first, guys, I know that obviously Chelsea Hour really and truly should be probably the podcast known for supporting RLC in the dip. Do you know what I'm saying? And there was a lot of other, your favourite podcasts, your favourite Chelsea, whatever you want to call them. And everyone was like, get rice. Everyone was like, sure, many and all of that type of stuff. But I think the tag team with me and Meads, we were doing RLC prop on the account. So the bandwagon's going crazy right now. And I'm going to give the floor to Meads because my favorite thing about Meads as an analyst is when Meads gets the gloat. So Meads, over to you. Talk to me about RLC and his remontado. I know you've well, kind of spoken about on other ones, but... but yeah, I, I feel like with RLC, I feel like, you know, a player like him, a player of his ilk, Cream always rises to the crop. Um, and I feel like he's just generally one of the best talents, um, especially in, in terms of England. He's one of the best talents that we've actually produced. I feel like he's just a very unlucky, unlucky individual, but that hasn't really dampened his spirits too much over the last 18 to 24 months. He's literally been... Um, it's actually remarkable what's actually happened, really. Completely out of the picture for the best part of two years. Um, Frank Lampard, after his injury, um, I don't think he treated him the best, um, unfortunately. But that still didn't deter him from, you know, trying to fulfil his ambitions of being a Chelsea player, ultimately. And that, that's really, that's really, that, that's been the fuel that's really taken him, I thought, for me, to really impress Tuchel. Um, because he, he's been awesome. He's actually been very, very good. Um, I don't think anyone can really talk about, uh, you know, because I remember in the summer, everyone was complaining when we were talking about, oh, yeah, no, you're Ruben off the sheet could definitely be our fourth midfielder. And it's not like we were talking about him being, you know, a star. He has to start every game. We were just saying fourth midfielder. And I was asking the questions like, okay, look, you tell me, I need to understand how many games Billy Gilmer was our fourth midfielder last last season. How many games did he play or start? How many, how many games were you expecting these guys to play? And these guys just didn't really, they weren't able to give me the answer. Um, 
Because a fourth midfielder isn't necessarily a one that's going to be guaranteed games all the time. Yeah. No, a fourth midfielder is one that could slot in when people are injured, slot in when people are tired and fatigued. And why couldn't Ruben do it? And to your point, we loaned Billy because we knew he wouldn't play enough in that in that role. Exactly, exactly. And people said, oh, I'd rather Billy. Well, okay, you may rather Billy, but Billy is 18, 19. He needs games. He needs to develop. Um, so why would you have him as your fourth midfielder? It's not good for him. It's not good for his career. So I was thinking, okay, just balance in everything. Why are you going to sign someone for 50, 60, 70, 80 million pounds to be that guy that plays only about six to 10 league games a season? In, in terms of starts, yeah. why? What's the point? You know, I think people so, are so obsessed with names and I think that's something that we've noticed on the account, Dan. Yeah. Our fans literally love shiny new toys. Like, completely shiny new toys. Like, it's just been a, it's been a mess. But in terms of Ruben, he's been nothing but a revelation, man. He's back to his driving runs from 2018-19 season. Um, and long may it continue. Yeah. It's still early, but all the noises that are coming out of Chelsea... You know, the, the articles that are coming out, the stories that are coming out, that Tuchel absolutely loves him. You know, yeah. so it's all good news for Ruben, to be honest. So, so, so this is interesting because I know there was a debate in that the Chelsea didn't give you like a little a peek behind the curtain of the Chelsea uh, WhatsApp group. But I know there was a debate earlier on, and I'm glad that I've got Buzzy and Meads on. Um, it wasn't even planned, but there was a debate whether um, ROC could play as a deep midfielder. Mm-hmm. Right, Buzzy? Buzzy, am I right? Yes, one dead silent. <laughs> I, forgot, I, for, I forgot I had hit mute. <laughs> okay, okay. Go with that one. But yeah, so obviously you were, you didn't really see... You said, I think you promised us that Tuchel wouldn't play him deeper. Or you said you didn't see, you didn't see it happening. Yeah, it was just my preference uh, for him to be further up. But I mean, he's, he's, his performances last few games have proved me wrong. I am at least not someone who has ever... I looked, I looked back in my Discord comments to see what my, my past takes on Ruben were. So I couldn't be held, <laughs> I couldn't be held accountable. Um, but no, I said I said a few months ago, some of us never got off the Ruben train. So I'm right there. I'm right yeah. there with you. People are ready to give up on him. I mean, even before the Fulham loan, um, which uh, not naming names, Babs. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Babs was a disgrace. He, Babs, you know what, Babs? Yeah, you know why he's so disgraceful? It's because he absolutely will sell his own players down the river just for Laos, just for Ben. Do you know what? My thing I, is, think he one, I think he genuinely believes it too. I think he, sometimes one, he one thing. The thing is, one thing I like about number one, one thing I like about Touchline Fracker across the podcast is we shit on each other. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're yeah. not on the podcast, we will tear you down and say it's good because um, it, it keeps us accountable. You know what I'm saying? We're not just propping each other up. But also with Babs, what I need more from Babs and what I've been trying to get out of him, but you know, Babs is his own person so he can be, but I just want him to have a standing. I want to know who he rates and who he doesn't. Because one minute it's like, he's too slippery. It's not. I wouldn't even call it. Slippery. I wouldn't even call him slippery. No, I wouldn't call him slippery. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Like, but what I'm saying is, really and truly, I need to know where you stand. You like for young players, for certain young players, he, he stands like you know that he's always trying to put stocks in Liverpool and all these players. But then, like sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm on an ROC chain. Yeah, I'm not. And then it's just jokes. Do you know when people try to muddy the waters with, oh, it was banter. I like to know clearly, okay, do you rate this player? Do you not rate this player, et cetera, et cetera. And I think with Babs, I just want a bit more clarity. That's all. But um, away from away from uh, analysing Babs' shell. <laughs> yeah, that was our, that was our Babs sec- segment. <laughs> that was a Babs segment. So RLC, literally, I think, I think it's more than just an option now. I think people yeah. are saying, actually, this guy could, like, Tuchel seems comfortable with him starting. 
I know that that quote came up saying, I don't know why he played more for Chelsea. And that was in pre-season. But don't forget, in pre-season, he still bought in sales. So at that yeah. point, Tuchel might have seen something, but he wasn't fully, fully bought in. I'm sure that if uh, he had more time with Loftus, like if Loftus was with us, with us last season, we probably wouldn't have got Saul. But yeah. at this point now, because what I'm seeing from RLC, and then you guys can chime in, I don't necessarily see a drop-off from the Kante cover Jorginho guys. Because no. usually it's like, okay, we need, those three are good, and then we'll have a fourth guy with the drop-off guy. But I feel like RLC is among them. Means what do you think? I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm not saying that he's an N'Golo Kante. I'm not saying he's Kovacic or Jorginho. But what I would say is that he is his own player mm-hmm. and a player that has his own qualities that can be added to that four. I mean, that three. But I feel like he has, he has something that they don't have, generally. His ability to drive from midfield is something similar to Kovacic, but I feel like the difference between him and Kovacic is that he drives Ruben, into the Ruben final third. Ball. Yeah, he drives into the final third and progresses. I feel like Kovacic is able to escape from the press mm-hmm. and then move it on to his teammates, but I don't think in the final third, apart this season, he's been much improved. He's been better, generally, yeah. But generally, his final third play isn't great. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like Ruben has his own qualities that definitely, yeah, definitely make us better and stronger, for sure. But, Buzzy, what do you think about ROC now? Are we, are, we, are we seeing him alongside those three? So is it a type of thing where, actually, you might want to see him play above or be above any, any of the three? I think, yeah, I think his performance, the last couple of performances have put him in that, in that conversation. That's why you keep someone like that around, right, who has that talent level, who has not only the talent, but proven it for the senior team. That's why it's not worth giving up on. Like, you, we saw it at the end of the sorry season. Like, we, that was why it was worth not, not letting go of him. We, we, it was possible to recapture that, and now he is, he is finally playing like that again. So uh, based on that, I see, I see no reason why you would freak out if you saw him, um, you know, starting a game next to Conte or, or Jorginho. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to see. I his own profile. Like you said, it, it fits the team still. It's similar to Kovacic, but they are different players in that yeah. Ruben around the box. I mean, he has a history of scoring. Kovacic is notoriously poor shot. Um, Ruben, you know, uh, good at one twos, good at dribbling, better around the box. It's something we don't have. And maybe certain teams could expose us a little more on the, either the counter or if they have more bodies in midfields, which depending, depending what our setup is, but Maybe there's a downside to Ruben. I'm not saying it's all upside, but I am just he, saying yeah, yeah. He, he is definitely capable of doing that job. Um, and his performances last few games, I think, have at least at least would put him in contention um, for a regular, you know, non-small cup game to start and for yeah. people to take it's that for what it is. A few things I want to quickly mention. Number one, I, I want to just double down on the fact that I'm less worried about Ruben off the ball and defensively. I'm less worried about it. Well, well, welcome, brother. Welcome. We've been yeah. waiting for well, no, but to be fair, I'm, I, the timing's right. The timing's right. I'm less worried now as opposed to, oh, I thought, do you know what I'm saying? Because, like, I can see the way that he's playing now, it, it's, it makes me comfortable. This, it's similar, like, we can talk about the end of Sari season because, again, I think what Sari did for him was he kind of tactically told him where to be. So even though yeah. he, I don't think he was moving freely, uh, he just knew when to get forward and when to stay back because I think... My issue with Ruben under before before this season, and I know it's straight at preseason, is that um, he couldn't necessarily carry on running. So he might do a sprint, and then he'd have to not sprint for a while because I think 
like visibly you could see his back seized up because he used to hold his back. And so I think what Sari did well is like, okay, cool. Don't go so forward here. Therefore you don't, um, therefore you don't have to sprint back because you're staying back. And I think that he timed it well and his decision-making was good. But now he's got, he can be a bit freer because he can get back. And so this is why I'm not necessarily worried. I, I just feel like that issue and, and long may continue in terms of his back, that seems to be sorted. But another thing I want to say is that towards the end of the sorry season, I remember there was the Twitter 11 and we had all these dribblers on because Cho was playing and RLC was playing and we played some of the best football. And I think there's a parallel in terms of that Southampton game and I, and the Southampton game, like what you do guys to chime in on that, how that game was, because I saw a lot of feedback. I didn't get to watch the full match, but I saw a lot of feedback. That was one of our best performances of the season. For sure. And it's like, yeah. you know when under Sari, a lot of the players that weren't the, like the stars were playing and then all of a sudden we started playing better football. It seemed kind of similar because it was RLC. Mm -hmm. Apparently Hudson had a good game. The dribblers was back. So talk to me about the Southampton game. Well, I'm going to say... Go ahead, Nisa. No, you go first. Go. Uh, um, I'll say it's a it, it was frustrating that that game needed a red card and two late goals for us to win it because that's not that's not how well we were playing. Like for the first half of that game, at least, um, that was one of our brighter perform. And granted, we played we played City and Juventus, so of course Southampton's going to be a little easier. But yeah. that was much brighter than we've looked um, in recent in recent games. The whole kind of team was flowing, um, and everyone was kind of doing their part. And it was like, oh, finally, like a breath of fresh air. The, the attack is. The attack is moving. Um, people look like they know what they're supposed to be doing in attack. Um, yeah. Ruben was was doing his thing for midfield that we were just talking about. He was driving up. Um, Hudson Odoi was playing some nice balls. Um, yeah. Even Werner almost he almost got there, and then he did in the end. Um, so yeah, I mean that was kind of a complete performance that we somehow ended up not scoring two, even three goals, and then ended up um, you know conceding, and it, it ended up being one we needed to uh, kind of slug out and got a little fortunate with the red card maybe. Um, because I'm not sure how that would have ended otherwise. But if you isolate the performance sort of from the result, um, that's a more positive attacking performance. Yeah. I guess you could say the well, ball didn't me, end up in the net, so that maybe it's not that positive, but we got there yeah. in the end. Yeah. Uh, talk to me. me. Give me your opinions, but then also talk to me about Livermento, because I know that obviously as Chelsea fans, the buyback clause there, we got feels like we got every single tab clause there, and uh, obviously stories came out, kind of letting us know that actually his family still Chelsea supporters, he still loves the club. So, yeah, just give me that Southampton kind of breakdown of how you thought that game went and then let me know a little bit about Livermento's performance too. Um, well, I, I generally thought the performance was really good. Um, first half especially, I think that was definitely the best football we've played. First, best, best half of football we've definitely played. Um, that being said, after, when you know with Chelsea, if you're not taking your chances, you know, it can get a bit messy and a bit, a bit stretched and Southampton came into the game. Um, made things quite very difficult for us. Um, in moments, though, it wasn't necessarily that throughout the game. It's just like we just weren't really taking our chances. And when that happens, you know, you're just, you leave yourself, in, in this league especially, you leave yourself exposed. Um, and, yeah, they got in, in in terms of the goal. Well, there was a firstly, I want to talk about the absolutely ridiculous decision that disallowed um, Timo Werner's goal. And Timo Werner was actually pretty impressive, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't say it was a, a fantastic performance, but he was always in the game, always active, always threatening as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really have any complaints about Timo. And I always talk about Werner, and he makes our attack better, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he makes our attack much better because he's active. He's active. 
I like attackers that really are always in the game. Um, and Timo's always active. And that's probably one of the best, his best strengths. Um, so we got a disallowed goal. Hudson-Odoi was breaking away. Um, really should have scored. And the ball then falls out to him. As for the um, coming together with Walker-Peters, and Walker-Peters trips over himself. Um, and then the referee give, uh, then for, again, it's like 20 seconds I'm trying to describe. 20 seconds pass. Hudson then lifts the ball in to um, Timo Werner. Great cross. And um, yeah, goes to VAR. Crazily. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. So it took away Cho's assist. Who, he, right, he pretty much deserved it after that first half performance. He was really yeah. good. Um, and Timo Werner's goal. Again, I think Timo Werner's had 16 goals disallowed from VAR. 16. That's mm. nuts. Um yeah, and then obviously went into the half 1-0. Um, and then Tino Livermento decided to, I guess, just spaz on Cho and, and Chilwell. And I feel like Cho, I think he got the better of Livermento in the first half. But then yeah. Tino just got active. Boy, it was disgusting. Um, the way he destroyed Chilwell for the penalty was incredible. Um, but it's not a surprise. Tino, everyone knows that I've been a big fan of Tino um, and I've always been saying, and I remember, again, Chelsea fans, it's just, I don't think Chelsea fans appreciate what we have um, in players. I feel like they, they're very dismissive of players that we have. So I remember when we were talking about links with Hakimi, I said, well, we don't really need Hakimi, especially at £60 million. Pounds. We've got Tino Livramento. We're good. Trust me, we're good. Nope. Fans are on me, like, oh, what you want to what? There's a world class player, you don't want to buy him. I'm like, no, we don't need to buy him. Like, trust me, we've got Tino. Anyway, he showed what he could do, really. And now, people, these same people that were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we should get Hakimi, now they're saying, okay, yeah, Tino's amazing, we should buy him back, we shouldn't have ever sold him, etc. You know, the, the typical spiel that our fans tend to do often. Um, but yeah, he, he was good. Tino was very, very good. Second half, he locked down that right-hand side. Um, well, our left-hand side. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good performance from, from Tino. Um, and you could see um, how much it really meant to him, um, really, just to, to come back to the club and come back to the bridge and play at the bridge for the first time in terms of, like, in a professional match. So, yeah, man, it was, it was a good performance from Tino. Um, I, I really hope we buy him back, like, ASAP. I think his release, well, not a release clause, and by buyback clause starts in 2023, I believe. So, yeah. And I believe he added some pretty positive comments about Chelsea and his experience there. Yeah, it wasn't negative. You know, when Chelsea usually, when we were selling players back in the day, it was all negative about, like, you know, oh, I'll never come back. They treat me badly. But no, Tino's like, yeah, you know what? I have no glad words to say about Chelsea. You know, yeah. just, I just went to play first in football as soon as possible. And that was it, really. Well, a lot of those bad experiences, too, were the people who got loaned out repeatedly. And that, that was Yeah, insane. exactly. So I think that we kind of handled the Tino situation very well. Um, yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad, honestly, because... All right, so I, I want to quickly move on to attack, because as Buzzy kind of mentioned, we dominated, but did it really show in terms of goals? And um, Lukaku, at first, was scoring goals, but we knew that he was scoring goals with limited chances. So that yeah. wasn't sustainable. And then also, Tuchel's come out, and he was asked about Hakim, and he was asked about Kai, and he said, we have to admit. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's almost like he's giving him too many chances, but he said... We yeah. have to admit now that they're not playing well. So 
And, and obviously, like another thing we didn't really specific um, specify is that Hudson Odoi got his first chance at left wing. And I know that yeah. um, Tuchel was saying that um, he's been waiting a long time. Even when the the lineup came up came out, there was so much disbelief that everyone was like, "No, it must be a three four three, and this person must be playing there." Because people just like, are so shocked to see Hudson Odoi play in the position where he obviously developed as a player. Um, so I want to talk about the attack in general. Lukaku's come out talking about how people get it wrong that he's a hold-up guy. And I don't know if this was an indirect to Tuchel. <laughs> it seems like it. I Lukaku don't know what it was, you know. I don't Lukaku know if it was. Scored, by the way. Lukaku just scored, by the way, for Belgium. Of course but, he did. Yeah. But, um, really he, yeah. yeah, so obviously Martinez at Everton was one of the first people that played him as a channel striker. I don't know if he played for that at West Brom too, but obviously for Belgium, he does it. Conte has also expressed that we're probably not using him right. Tuchel's been defensive about it. Um, but talk to me about Lukaku first. Let's get into it. So are you worried about the fact that Lukaku doesn't seem happy? Because I remember last season, Werner was talking about, oh, actually, I'm not being used right by Lampard. We gave Lampard stick for that. So let's talk about Lukaku and Tuchel's use of him. And we'll start with you, Buzzy. Um, it's one of those things where... Oh, there's a car going on outside. Um it's one of those things where I, I see him doing the right things and and I mean it sounds dismissive, but he's he's trying his best through most of the games. Like when he when he does get an opportunity uh, to get on the ball or to show for a pass, he does it and he usually tussles with his defender. He usually holds up well, but I don't think we're maximizing the number of opportunities um, for that to happen. Like this goal he just scored for France, um, he really nice turn on the defender, runs inside, scores at a really tight angle. Those are the things we should be feeding him. We're doing it occasionally. Uh, I don't. I think his early goal return definitely. Now, if you think about it, it's been a few games, and it, it's kind of masking like, okay, yeah, good. Lukaku's in the flop. Like moving on to the other problems, um, mm-hmm. and that's not quite actually what's happening. He definitely. I don't. I don't think it's on him. I think he's done. As I said, when he gets the opportunity with the ball, kind of to. to he's done everything that he should. But um, I think the team setup does have uh, more to get out of him, and most of our attackers. Um, but yeah, I think I think Tuchel maybe. Maybe he is more open privately to that stuff, but he definitely could be a little uh, a little more flexible in uh, in his setup with him. Okay, and then and uh, Meads, what do you think about it? Um, I think it's much nothing really. Um, I think Lukaku has mentioned this probably before he came. Um, he mentioned it after he arrived. I think he's mentioned it a couple of times. Like, he's not a box strike. He's not basically he's not a poacher. That's what he says. He's, he's not necessarily talking about hold-up guy. He's talking about, I'm not a poacher that these guys try to make out I am. Mm. You know, when um, people said that, yeah, you know, you just need to play Lukaku in, a, in the box and, you know, you know that's how you're going to get your goals. Lukaku really is a much of an all-rounder, and I think he appreciates being acknowledged as an all-rounder. Um, and I think that's what his major problem is. He figures that people underappreciate his game entirely. And I think maybe it's a shot at Tuchel. I don't know. Um, I don't think Tuchel's necessarily used him as a, you know, hold-up guy, to be honest. But I do feel like his teammates um, haven't really been able to get the best out of him. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like his runs he's been making have been oftentimes ignored. Um, pretty much like Timo Werner last season. I feel like, honestly, Timo's runs last season, he made loads of runs. And yes, he missed loads of chances, but... He made so many runs that were missed by his teammates. It was insane. So for a striker like Lukaku, who always, and I feel like Lukaku is not shy to show his discontent at all. Mm, um, he's not. 
He's not at all. Um, you see him battering Mason Mount often for you know him not passing the ball. Um, I feel like he's not shy. He's not shy. Timo Werner wasn't really a complainer. He's not really a complainer like that. Um, but I think Lukaku is. So I think that it may be just be down to just a, a, a slight lack of understanding between him and his teammates. Because I, I do feel like even despite the fact he was scoring loads of goals, well, not even loads, but scoring goals um, earlier in the season, I feel like they weren't really combining well. Maybe yeah. it's just me, but I don't think... I already complained about it. And people were like, oh, yeah, he's scoring goals, don't complain. Oh, you know, uh, such and such got an assist. Such and such created open chance. And I'm well, mm. yeah, but it's not enough. Like, if you look at what's actually happening on the pitch... Is it really enough? Are you actually happy with how things are going? Let me, quickly read. Let me quickly read what he said. So he told you, Rafa, on the official website, he said, the way I'm built, I'm quite big. Everybody thinks I'm a sort of target man, just holding up the ball and being a goal poacher, but I've never played that way and I hate it. My biggest strength is that I'm dangerous when I'm facing towards the goal because that's when I really make wrong choices. After I pass the ball, I know where I have to position myself in the box. I can do a bit of everything. And in some games, when I know there's a lot of space behind the defence, I play differently. The reason I'm so productive in front of goals is because I can do a bit of everything. Now, the thing is, at Chelsea so far, if you think about Lukaku at Chelsea, a lot of Lukaku at Chelsea is back to goal, right? Yeah. His, his teammates and, keep using him as... And sometimes it works because they do like a give and go. But yeah. so much of his touches around the box are him standing there. The ball is yeah. passed to him. He's just used like a backboard. They pass yeah. him. The ball comes right back to one of the runners. Kovacic does it, Havertz does it, and Mount does it to him a lot. Right. Uh, and he, he's and good he at it, so he, he does it, but yeah, it's, and he's it's not the best use of him. Yeah, and he's expressing here that, look, this is part of my game. I can do a bit of everything, but he's mm -hmm. just saying that this is not how you get the best Lukaku. I'm actually best as a channel striker. I've heard it before. So, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have anything more to say on that, but I kind of want to move on anyway because to this, this ZH Kai, and obviously... We talked about Ruben, but we can also talk about Barkley too. So um, in terms of what Tuchel said, he said that we've given him enough chances and maybe we need to take him out. And that's what he did in the last game. And so who do you think, obviously Pulisic, uh, Pulisic, no, I don't know if me you came up with that, but that was brilliant. But, uh, <laughs> that was brilliant. But um, what's the answer now for our attack in terms of supporting? Because I, I think we can all agree that Lukaku is going to stay up top. In yeah. the group chat, what I did is I got everyone to kind of list out who they think is best at dribbling, who they think is best at creating, and I kind of created front threes for you. But what do you think, and we'll start with you, Meads, in terms of the answer, in terms of the guys supporting Lukaku? Um, well, I've always said it. I've said it for the last, you know, I, I just don't feel like ZH1 is really... He's like a false prophet. I don't understand that. In preseason, he looked fantastic. And I thought, yeah, this is a guy that potentially could be lent on in terms of creating, in terms of being a dangerous player for us and being present, ever-present in games for us. But it just seems to have gone off the boil again. And it happened last season. And obviously, I, I put that down to his injury. Um, and I didn't want to be too harsh because obviously I know what it's like. When it comes, when you come back from injury, you're not really fresh. Um, but he just wasn't at it. Um, so... I don't think Ziyech really suits Tuchel's game. I don't think he really, maybe not even necessarily just suits the game. Maybe he's just not that good. Um, <laughs> I definitely thought he was a good player. I definitely thought he was a good player. And watching him all those years at Ajax, he's, maybe he just, yo. You said that um, uh, Hudson's much better than Ziyech. I think he is. I, yeah. think, I genuinely think he is. I genuinely think he is. And maybe not much better player. Um, 
even though I think he is, he was definitely much better suited to that left wing role or that forward role than Ziyech's by 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 far and away. Because that role, you can't be. I, I feel like Ziyech is a bit lazy, um, which I don't. Like I, I used to watch him at Ajax, and he was such a hard worker, like in terms of pressing mm. and you know trying to get um, occupied defenders. It just it just doesn't seem to be working at Chelsea, and it's just. It's just really, really poor. Um, and I feel like I don't think any any attacker that we've had other than Lukaku and Werner um, could say that they've put in a better shift or pe- better performance than Callum's performance in the first half against Southampton. I don't think any one this season, not single one. So um, I think maybe Callum is the answer. And just for the type of profiles that I like in an attack um, where you've got two scorers or two potential scorers and a, a creator, um, mm-hmm. I think obviously with, even with Hudson's um, assist, you know. I don't think there's many people that do pick out those kind of passes. Um, so I just feel like, yeah, Hudson Odoi probably is my best um, mix, in my opinion. So Hudson Odoi, Werner, and Lukaku. Obviously, we've got Mason Mount that can fit in, mm-hmm. play most of the games too. But I feel like, in terms of creativity and balance, and as and a winger as well, just generally attacker. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, Hudson Odoi. Um, Werner and Lukaku makes the most sense. Okay, before I go to um, Buzzy, that was obviously the the, the attacking three that played um, against Southampton. And what was interesting um, is that I, I saw a lot of people tweeting that actually what Tuchel did was, and I just want your confirmation on it, but they were saying that um, the fullbacks played more on the inside channels. Yes. And Werner was almost like a right winger. And then Hudson was like, because Hudson does, I think Hudson likes the channels. And yep. so um, rather yep. than the wing backs being the wide people, the actual attacking wingers were the, the wide people. Was that exactly. what happened? Yeah. yeah. So they were definitely a lot more central. I saw Chilwell coming inside often. Um, then we also had, um, yeah, yeah, both of them. Both of them came inside often. Aspi was really, really good, actually, man. Aspi had a, a fantastic performance. But yeah, um, in terms of, that I guess tactical setup it definitely was more that the attackers were wide. Um, mm-hmm. Less Werner, more more Hudson, um, and Chilwell and Aspi were definitely a lot more central. I, and you saw often as well. I was like I was like, wow, this is strange, but I liked it. I definitely liked it. I we were able to we were definitely able to boss um, the midfield in doing so. Yeah, I heard, I actually heard that Werner was quite so buzzy. I'll get your opinion on it. Um, and then also give me your your favorite supporting attackers. Um, yeah, I have to agree with needs for the most part. I think my f- initial I'm trying to recall um, my initial lineup to yeah. start the season. I said was Mount probably either Mount or Kai alongside Callum. I, I was willing to say that Zia should be that that creative. I think one of those two needs to be like a, a more creative passer. Yeah. Um, I was willing to say maybe it's be Zia's because he had a really good preseason. But I mean, mm-hmm. he covered it. The guy just flatters to deceive and then just lets you down. I don't, I don't know what else there is to say about him. Um, so yeah, I think, I think um, ideally I want that to be Havertz. Cause I mean, let's just, I mean, let's face it, big, big buy, young talent. We kind of all want him to succeed. But right now, Timo looked pretty effective that last game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the things that anyone who backed him would say as positives, even while he was missing a bunch of chances. We'd be like, he works tirelessly. He makes the runs. He's dangerous. He keeps the defenders honest. He can actually score when he gets his head on straight. Um, and he did so, and he almost had another one. Um, and it, it's effective. It keeps it keeps him paired with Lukaku is much better than what we had last season because 
um, they are much more occupied by a real striker in the process of a Timo making runs. So um, I'm pretty okay with if we ran back the same attack we just saw. Um, yeah. And I do think um, Chilwell did, uh, you mentioned the, yeah. the wing backs helping. Chilwell did um, help, in my opinion, more than Alonso, even though he had the, the boneheaded penalty. Um, I think other than that, he was more of a plus to our attack uh, than, than Alonso has been. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, I guess Mount did at the start, but Mount was back and ready to play. So a lot of people were saying that Mount, obviously we had two back-to-back Ls. Um, and, and then there was the kind of narrative that Chelsea need Mount to win. Um, and then Tuchel refuted that in um, his press conference. Obviously, I've just heard your front three, and maybe there's room to say maybe Mount can play elsewhere. But how significant do you think this guy, because there were those claims that, oh, actually, the reason why I was losing is Mount wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that claim? It's a, it's a scary claim, because how? I feel like we, like, I don't understand how you can make that claim because even in the best, again, one of the best away performances we've had this season so far, Mason um, Mount got dragged off the pitch and Tuchel made reference to that. So it's just weird. I feel like there's just always this, there's always a reason as to why Chelsea are failing um, from Chelsea fans. There's always a reason. There's always a player that can solve everything. I remember when Rudiger was injured. Um, remember last season um, and Rudiger was mm-hmm. injured and then they were saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're missing our best defender. When Rudiger gets back, we'll be fine. Um, it's just, it's, it's always like that with our fans. I don't, I don't get it. it. It does annoy me, but it's just one of them things. I think that Mason Mount's a very good player. Um, I've always said, and I'm, I'm not shy in saying that, I don't think that Mason Mount's a, a good attacker, or a great attacker, um, or an attacker that can really improve the levels. But he's industrious, he's busy. He can create chances. Um, from wide, I think that he, he generally gets in those those low crosses and does them really well. Lukaku probably should have scored. In fact, Lukaku should have scored um, from the, one of the crosses that he put in in or against Southampton. But um, yeah, the, the narrative that you can't win without Mount is is a bit of a, a slap in the face and a kick in the teeth to players that have you know won the Champions League <laughs> um, and contributed a lot over the last. Months. And not for nothing, at the end of last season too, um, yeah. Mount was in the team constantly. And you know, Champions League aside, our our, our league run-in was not great. Like we we I mean, uh, were yeah, we were we were dragging along kind of, and Mount was heavily involved. And I do like him too, but um, it is hard to give one of those very few attacking spots to a player who isn't a full-on either scorer or creative. If he was scoring goals, if he was scoring like ten goals, even. It would be a different conversation, but he's just, right. he, he's just not, that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. And people had the expectation that he would based on, I don't know, both his profile and his Vitesse loan um, mm-hmm. and his other loan, like people, people were like, okay, Mount is kind of a goal scoring midfielder. That was just, that was just a label that was probably correctly given to him. And we've, we've just barely seen that. So it's hard to use one of our three attacking spots um, when we're struggling to score goals on a player who isn't the most creative passer or uh, really a shooter um okay so, so yeah but at the same time those pivot spots are not really for him so it's it's tough yeah. i feel do you know so, what i feel like it's again where people are saying that ruben can't play the pivot i feel that mason mount can comfortably play it too i do think that honestly he's got a kind of profile for it in terms of industry industry um, ability to receive the ball on a half turn um i guess can carry the ball forward can drive forward i think he's got the capacity to do it i feel like i don't 
yeah, I don't know why people think that immediately that he can't I, do it. I think maybe because they don't see much of it. No, I think I think that definitely in a three four three, I think he's he's it will be comfortable in a three four three. But I think yeah, for sure. with Mount, I think with Mount, um, and then we'll talk about Kai after because I want to talk about Kai. But with Mount, I think that Mount is super in his like forget about managerial instructions. I think Mount wants to be the glory guy. I mean, that's the reason why he takes the shot rather than passes, etc. And so with these type of players and with his engine and the fact that he can cover actually like grass really quickly, like he's definitely a box-to-box guy. Like we saw it when they tried to play Kai and Mount as the two midfielders that attacked oh, from last season. Like he's, he's so good at like, because he's, he can get back, but he can also get mad forward. And so when we're on the attack, he's going to be in the box, in and around the box. And I think like the Burnley game where he played really well, that, I don't think that was Mount in terms of mentality because I think in that game, Mount wanted to embrace the central midfielder ground. He wanted Mount, he, I think he wanted to show people I can pass. And I think that game, he showed people he can pass. But I think naturally where Mount wants to be and what he said himself, he wants to be in and around the box, popping off shots. Mount, out of all of the midfielders last season in the Premier League, I think he had one of the most shots taken. Um, so this is a guy that wants to get the glory. And I think, when you're trying to have one of the reasons why clearly um, when uh, Tuchel talks about his central midfielders, they're guys like Jorginho, Kovacic, etc. Guys that really and truly, they don't have to be the, the goal scorer. They don't have to be in a box scoring because if you have some of that mentality in there, that can break the pivot. And so as, as much as I believe Mount can play that, like when he plays for England, it's not like a pivot where it's like, you go forward, I go forward. It's no like it's rice. You stay back. I'm gonna be the one that goes forward. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm sure that you can work out that dynamic by having just the sitter and then Mount having the license to be that go up and down player. But I think it's much better us having a double pivot that works as a tandem, which is why I'd prefer Mount not in the pivot. But I'm sure he can do it. Then the next thing I want to do is I want to get on to Kai because with Kai, I we all, we're all sold. We've seen what he can do. He starts the season very slow for some reason, um, and it started again, even though he had a good, a good preseason, he showed um, things in the preseason. Now, obviously Lukaku's come in and Lukaku likes that right channel. And again, we're, we're, talk, we're hearing Lukaku saying he wants the channel, but Kai kind of settled in that right channel. And so now Kai's almost been trying to find his role in the team now. And like, look, you said that Mount, if he's going to be an attack, he has to score goals. Kai's actually played quite a lot and he hasn't been scoring goals. And you can say, yeah, it's because he started to score goals when he was a striker, but he's not going to be a striker anymore. Lukaku's got that role. So where does that leave Kai? Meads. Because I know that, Buzzy, you've kind of talked about it already, but Meads, where, where do you think that leaves him? Um, um, I wouldn't say he's in a precarious situation. I feel like he definitely, um, in order for him to, for me, for him to be playing regularly, I think he needs to show that he's better than Vernon. Um, as an attacker. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's much of a tough ask because I think that Havertz is that much of a better player than Werner. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like he needs to get his momentum and groove in quicker in the season. Um, I don't think that Tuchel really said... Uh, one good thing about Tuchel was that he, he was quite honest and candid and said, look, um, they've not been good. And that's not bad. That's like, it's all good. That's It's not like... It, he's not saying that, look, it's, it's game over for, for Havertz and um, and um, Ziyech. It's just game over. Like, they're not going to play again. No, he's just saying, look, for now, 
Yeah, yeah they're not going to play it because we need to let others get their opportunity. And rightfully so. You know, I feel like he just needs to buy this time. Because I, I think before the first international break, um, I thought he was good. I thought he was performing really well. He played well against Arsenal. Played well against Liverpool. Um, bar, obviously, um, he obviously got taken off at half-time after the red card. Um, and he was, yeah, he, he, I think he's done pretty well. Played, played pretty good. To be first half, he was bad against Tottenham. And then the second half, he was really good. Um, so I just do think, like, you know, it's, it's just there. It's there, but he just needs to get a bit more consistency and a run in the mm. side. But I definitely hear you in regards yeah. to his position. Um, it's not going to be as stable. Um, and when there's no stability in a team, it's very difficult for you to really show your best. Yeah. Yeah. Buzzy, what's your thoughts on it? I, you kind of gave your thoughts, but what, yeah. like, what would you do? Because we want consistency, but at the same time, it's like we can't shoehorn players in. Yeah, you can't wait around forever. Consistency is the thing, or at least, you know, getting up to speed and, and keeping it there. You know, as you said, he's he known to have slow starts. Um, it's one of those things between him and Mount, like someone is always going to be annoyed that they're not in the team. And it's like, oh, the homegrown player and like the foreign, like international, like, you know, wonder kid. Like these are the players we want in the team. This is, this is the ideal. But the reality of Havertz right now is, yeah, the performances haven't been there. And Tuchel, I think you mentioned this earlier, but the way he even... The way he worded it, like, yeah, we have to admit now that yeah. Kai and Zeke yeah. are. It's like he knows he maybe gave them a little long of a leash because yeah. he, he also wants them to perform, and especially Kai, like, backs him as a young yeah. talent. And long-term, given the club investment and given the level of talent he should be, mm-hmm. wants to give him these opportunities. Um, so it is it is tough. I think, I think the number of games we play and I think how those sort of attacking two positions are fluid, there won't be this, this big, long, um, like, spell without – either him or Mount or Callum, hopefully Callum's already been through that, uh, out of the team too long now. Like, okay, this, this, you know, we have a big game coming up. Oh, he actually picked Mount over Havertz or he picked Werner over Havertz. And it's like the next game, Kai might be right, be back, back in so somebody can rest. So I think we'll get to see each of them, but it is definitely up to him to, to kind of grab it and start like wake. You just kind of, you kind of want to tell him to wake up sometimes. Like it's not yeah. even, it's not even some plays that are crazy difficult because he can actually do that stuff look sort of effortless it's like why are you passing the ball away like what it's it's simple things um yeah sometimes. i mean it's not like he switched on all the way or or so yeah. a little bit lost as to where he should be i don't know if it's tactical or, or if he's just asleep at the wheel a little bit but yeah i mean number one again i'll just state the kind of swapping swapping of attackers i, I don't like that i, I don't mm-hmm. like that i don't think it, it works well for our attack um and i think tuchel mentioned i think tuchel actually said that mount and lukaku linked up well and Maybe Lukaku's missing the link with Mount. Um, but I just feel like we want... Lukaku is a new striker. You're saying that Lukaku's not getting fed well. Keep, like, changing the combinations. Obviously, Pulisic is the comeback. And if it's one minute, it's Hudson, and it's Pulisic, and it's Werner, and it's Kai. How are we, how are we really supposed to feed this guy? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and so, like, I'm worried about that. I'm just worried about the whole situation. This is why I don't like too many attackers. I think it's a bit messy. I know it's difficult to offload some players. But obviously, one of the good things about not always it being difficult to offload players is that we get players to say. So we always talk about Ruben Loftus cheek Now, it's good that we have Buzzy here again because as much as people know me as a big fan of Barkley, um, and I've always just said... <laughs> You're just way, waiting. You're just waiting for these, weren't you? 
I've always just said, I know, <laughs> I had to jump all you on, bro. But I've always just said, I've always just literally said that I think Barkley is underrated as a creative player. And, and I remember when ZH was coming in and it's like, okay, cool. Now we've got this person who's far superior in terms of creative um, things than Barkley, et cetera, et cetera. And don't forget, at the time we didn't have ZH. And I was just saying, actually, we kind of miss creativity and we probably should play him because we need to like, we've got all these players that are good at running behind. We need someone to feed them. And even when people was like, yeah, just get rid of him, get rid of him. I was like, yeah, actually, you know, we don't have this facility in our team. So not that he's the best player in the world, but it's actually, he can be of use. And I think, again, this season, he's just shown, actually, this player can be of use. Now, Chelsea players, I think, uh, means you mentioned it earlier about the names and just liking to, I think we, we saw it um, with Lampard. Everyone was shit that wasn't a regular under Lampard. And then Tuchel came in and actually showed, actually, no, Christensen's not shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, actually, even Alonso, do you know what I'm saying, is useful. And so I wasn't surprised with the players that stayed around that Tuchel showed they're useful because we saw that last season. So um, Barkley has come in and, um, again, I can't really speak about the performances, but Tuchel did mention Juventus, he created a big chance for Lukaku. And then obviously the pass um, for the burner goal that actually did stand, um, everybody was eulogising about it. So where do we stand with Barkley? Because I know the thing is with, with fans is when you commit to hating a player, it's very difficult to turn that around. We've got to Rudiger when we close, but obviously Rudiger has managed that. There's, there's certain players on Tuchel that's managed to turn it around. Is there redemption uh, for Barkley? Or do you just hate him so much where it's just like, no, I just want him sold? Fuck you. Um, yeah, it became sort of a self-fulfilling meme to just joke about my dislike of him on top of itself. But I don't want to be a Babs and pretend that I, I talked him bad. So I did. I, I, I criticized Barkley heavily. The thing for me is I never doubted he like has the flashes of talent. That's why he was talked up as, uh, you know, as a young player in the first place. Um, it's just we're this many years later... And the consistency of him is, is just a giant question mark. Like one game, you might get that really nice pass. Other games, he's passing the ball away, not really doing a whole lot, being frustrating in his general decision-making and execution. And that's sort of the thing that was like, I don't, I don't think I want this, this guy in my team week in, week out, because I don't know what I'm getting out of him. Buzzy, Buzzy, let me just quickly chime in. So we, we talked about Kai, we talked about ZH. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the, when, we, when we sign these players, and I, I, Jermaine was on the podcast at the time, and I think I said it, I said, It'll be very, very interesting to watch Chelsea fans' relationship with Akai and with Azich because mm-hmm. a lot of people saying, oh, they're not consistent and et cetera, et cetera. I was like, they're going to see that it's not that easy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, certain, certain times, like, players are robots, especially creative players. And I was going to say, I was just going to yeah. say, creative players that try things, yeah. sometimes it's not going to come off. Yeah. That's what happens when you're creative. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. that from ZHX, I expected that really because that's that's the that's the sort of that's the sort of you know play style when he was being successful that he had. It was it was fifty percent you know of the time he's hitting a long ball that's not going anywhere where it was supposed to, or he's trying yeah. to play a really nice cross. And when it comes off, it's brilliant. But other times, like Bruno, uh, if you're hitting all these long passes and these crazy shots, like a lot of the time they're not going to go in. But at least if you're executing those some portion of the time, it's worth it. Uh, ZH so, but, but, but you've just said. But then, Buzzy, you just said, obviously, like, in terms of our players, like, how many people execute the creativity passes that we've seen from Barkley, even in the short time that he's been playing? So he does it some of the time. But for some reason, again, I think what I believe is what Mead said in terms of people are just comfortable with certain names doing that. But when it's other names, maybe that yeah. is bought for cheaper, etc., then yeah. they don't get the same treatment. And to be yeah. fair, I'll, I'll say this here. 
um, I was done with Barkley after the Villa thing, but it wasn't necessarily because of his talent, but like, I just don't like the fact that he looks so massive. I know, I know he's slim now and it's good, but there's still that danger again that he kind of falls off and then he's not, I think I'm more worried about his off the pitch and looking after himself. Um, he's hurt, you know, it's, it's the whole package is just not, not something I want to rely on is basically my, my final sentence. <laughs> okay. You're going to go with that. Amit, let's talk about Barkley from you. Also, I just want to backtrack quick. You said, you said like people have more patience for that with, but I don't have patience for it with Ziyech. I was willing, like when we bought Barkley, I was willing to take a, a punt on that creativity being worth being on the field, especially Barkley was cheap. He's coming off an injury. Um, Ziyech wasn't that expensive. But he doesn't have infinite patience because he's a, he's a foreign name or he's a buy. We, we he's all had a lot more. He's had a lot more patience than. Um, but he also has a lot more pedigree, in my opinion. So it was worth. It was worth. Yeah, being, yeah. It was worth investing in it to come off, but it didn't. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we'll, Meads, we'll get your final thing, and then I want to talk about Rudik because obviously he hasn't signed, and there's links, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um. Well, I feel like generally Barkley's been. I think he's been good. Um, I would say he's been... For, for Chelsea, I think largely he's not really been that bad. Um, I think he's been decent. I think over the last two games, especially, um, no one could really doubt his, I think his imagination, his creativity. Um, but at the same time, the biggest issue with Ross Barkley is that, yeah, he's a very talented player. You know, he wouldn't be playing for Chelsea if he wasn't. But I feel like his, the lack of consistency in his game is what really kills Chelsea fans. That being said, it's very difficult to be a consistently creative player if you're not consistently on the pitch. It's very difficult to have your rhythm. Um, so that's probably why I understand, Dan, when you said, OK, yeah, after Villa, you're done. Um, because he did have a platform where he was playing regularly. He looked good, but then got injured. And he never was quite the same again. Um, and he started to look heavy. He didn't That's look like he was looking after himself. And then you're just like, oh, what is going on? My, my thing is the alcoholism. So the alcoholism, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, it's just not professional. It's not professional. And it's yeah, not something like you really that. want to see and put your name behind someone that really isn't taking their, their profession seriously. Um, yeah. But that being said, over the last couple of games, he's definitely looked like a creative force um, and he could come in. And I feel like Tuchel really speaks about him as a potential player that you could bring on to change a game, yeah. which is good. Um, it's good for Ross as well, because imagine you're going from Aston Villa, I think he got dropped out of the team at Villa um, towards the back end of the season. Um, and now he's, he's at Chelsea and trying to make an impact then. And so is, yeah, this is a good point in terms of loans as well. And this is why I, I, don't, I really don't like loans. Because I think what a lot of people use it for is almost like this is this test where, yeah, you're at Fulham for Loftus Cheek. And so, wow, you don't look at superstar at Fulham, therefore you can't look good in Chelsea. Like Loftus Cheek has looked for me anyway, the stardust when he plays. And, yeah. um, and I think it's so, it's different environments. And I think what fans do a lot is um, they use these loans as just a way to just like write off players and, I don't think they're really... I think it, it's shown with Loftus-Cheek and Barkley where people said, I tweeted from the account in, in terms of Loftus-Cheek and like, what can he offer Chelsea? That's what people are saying. And I think that people should question what they see on loan. And, and all of this, they went, Fulham went down, so Loftus-Cheek is, is useless to us. It's, it's, for me, it's so dumb. Like, I feel like we need to elevate our thinking. But that's because 
But that's generally because these guys want shiny new toys, so they'll use anything to excuse it. Yeah. Literally. And I feel like whilst Luke Lost of Sheep wasn't great, um, I don't think he was that bad. And again, I feel that because the film got relegated, it's just one of them things. I also feel like when people were t- trying to use that point against Ruben, I'm like, well, Conor Gallagher got relegated too. And you guys are saying that, yeah, Conor... Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Nowadays, Billy, Billy which Gilmore nowadays, is about to get relegated. Probably going to get relegated yeah. with Norwich this season. Which now got relegated to Newcastle. Went to exactly. Newcastle. Is he not good like, enough? It doesn't make sense. It's not the problem of quality. Because if you look at it, environment plays a part massively. Yeah. Lots of Sheik is a player that like combining with good players. I don't say Fulham had that many good players to combine with. <laughs> Fulham fans didn't like him. A lot of Fulham fans didn't, didn't like Loftus. Yeah. And they, they questioned his quality too. So this is why I'm saying, like, the, the, the fact that it's set up where it's like, go out and prove yourself on loan. If you don't look good, you're not good enough for Chelsea. I don't think that's a, a good enough fitness function. I think people no, need to understand that a, a bit more. So let's quickly cover off um, Rudiger. Um, it seems like he might be going. And I think he's even looking better and better every single time we see him. Um, so yeah, um, are you okay? Are you comfortable with Rudiger going? Is it fair? Because really and truly, again, he's no one that got really mistreated by the Chelsea fans. Yeah. Because it's shiny new toys too. Um, yeah. and, and so they, he didn't get the contract. He always got talked about like he was this rubbish player. I think we even, Chelsea, we got to hold our hands up and yeah. at that point, yeah, we, we, were, we were kind of slagging them off too. So um, what's your thoughts on Rudiger? Well, Honestly, for me, I think he is well within his rights to say, you know what, thank you, but no thank you. Um, he's performed really well for us. Whilst, oh, well, I guess over the last six, seven months, he's been very, very good. Um, he's probably well worth his contract, if I'm honest. Um, but if we're being completely honest, we haven't been the most kindest people to Antonio Ruriga. Um, Chelsea fans in general haven't really been his biggest fans. Um, and the treatment of him by our fans um, and associated press around the club hasn't been too great. Um, so why should he? I mean, you generally, as a player or as a, just as a just a person, you want to be somewhere you're loved. Um, like generally, not just when you know things are looking up for you. And I feel that like that's where he's at right now. And he's thinking, you know what? When I was down, you know, you lot were slagging me off, racially abusing me. Why should I stay? You know, why should I stay? And I think he's in a, I think he's, I think it's a justifiable move and say, yeah, I don't want to stay. And I, 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 you will call me a snake? Cool, no problem. I'm going to go. So I don't have a problem with him leaving. Is it a problem for us as a squad? Uh, not really, in my opinion. I, whilst I think he's amazing, um, he's been amazing, um, I'm not too pressed, um, to be perfectly honest. I'm not too pressed. Um, because I feel like we've got Levi Colwell, um, who I think can come in and be an excellent player, especially in the left centre back position, because he is a left back. He's got uh, he's left footed, so I feel like you know, I whilst you know it's a shame because Rudiger will arguably classed as one of the best um, centre backs in the world right now, just on current form. Um, I think that will be okay. I don't, I, I don't really. I'm not complaining too much if he leaves. If he stays, amazing. We get a, a, a prime defender. In his peak years for Ch- at Chelsea, but if he doesn't, then you know, best of luck to him. He deserves a move anyway. So, yeah, cool. uh, Buzzy, Buzzy, what do you think about the Rudiger situation? 
Um, yeah, I do agree with Dan that <laughs> it's like as as this is dragging on, every time I see him, I'm like, ah, he really is playing really well, though. Like, <laughs> uh, he's playing better and better lately, it seems like. Uh, yeah. I do think he'd be a miss. I think the three at the back kind of ensures a base level of stability, at least two goals three at the back, that that most good to great to competent defenders would look pretty good in. But that, that you can't also dismiss the impact of like one really good, I mean, like Tiago Silva's class every time he plays, you can't dismiss the impact that has. And I think Rudiger uh, has been really good. I do think we would miss him if he left. Um, everything Meade said holds true. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how much the sent, like, I don't think we, we know for sure, unless you saw uh, inside sources that I, that I missed um, recently, how much of that is him being like, oh, well, the fans like didn't treat me right, or even the club didn't treat me right, which really was Lampard. Uh, more so than, than the, maybe the club itself. Um, yeah. But uh, I, as opposed to just like, give me one last big contract. I don't know if we're offering the wages that like, if he hears PSG or other teams are sniffing around, like that he uh, maybe has his eye on, because um, this will be his last big contract and he might just yeah. have a bigger yeah. payday than Chelsea are prepared to offer. And maybe we should be ready to offer him more given how much um, his form has shot up. But also- I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Chelsea are not willing to offer him the bag. Though. Yeah, I kind of feel like, to like you know 180k to 200k i'd be like yeah that makes sense he's a senior, yeah, and I think, he's a senior center back on his last contract like yeah yeah and i think what's interesting as well tiago silva is not going to be around forever in terms of playing right so right, yeah. in terms of senior center backs if we lose both of them and and like you're saying like even <laughs> i remember when he did that run i can't remember what game it was but he did that run everyone was like oh that's the zuma run but he did another one on the weekend it's a little crazy he's i oh i yeah. almost said he's good on both sides of the ball but like it's kind of true he gets up yeah there. he set lukaku and everyone was like wow we don't our wingers aren't even doing that Do you know what i'm saying so oh. so it's, it's it's crazy um all right so i've got i think i've got one more it's a cheeky one but i want to end on this cheeky one um it's not a discord question or anything but it's something that i've been thinking about because i know that sam in fact, let me start with Anu. So Anu is shamelessly any Nigerian player he's promoting. He's promoting. And I know with Sam, any English player, like, because obviously Chilwell hasn't been playing and Sam's had the hump. Sam has had the hump because one of his English players isn't playing. Um, and I think even with Jermaine, Jermaine is, is obviously not on the podcast as much now, but Jermaine, like, obviously he's back in his guys in terms of RLC and them, and people are saying that we are as Chessy Hour because obviously a lot of us are Nigerian and, and obviously from West African, we're kind of supporting our um, basically black players. And I don't necessarily think it's all true and it's all that kind of black and white, but um, Buzzy, you're American, you don't necessarily cape for Pulisic like that, do you? Uh, I think some would probably accuse me for one period that I that I did, maybe when okay. he was just on it. I think objectively he was just on really good form and it seemed yeah, like he, he was more likely to carry it on than not, but he so far hasn't done that or hasn't been fit. It's exciting to have one talent in like, yeah. maybe we have two or three now in world football that are, that's that good. Um, and yeah. him coming to Chelsea, I'm, I'm not going to pretend it wasn't exciting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a one-off example. So it's not really yeah. a great, it's not really a great sort of like use case to, to show okay, if I had cool. sort of... So the reason why I want to end on this is because obviously, like, as much as Tuchel's bringing the squad together, we still kind of have, like, all these divisions and everybody's supporting their own players. My question is, because obviously Mount as well, a lot of people see, like, I remember even you mentioned just earlier in attack, we have to have that homegrown player playing, but then Hudson's mm-hmm. a homegrown player too. And mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, cool. Is this okay? Is it okay? Is it, bad? Is it a bad thing that actually you might like Pulisic because he's American? 
Do you know what I'm saying? Is that a bad thing? And the reason why I want to ask, because obviously, like, we've got a big squad. And so everyone's just promote, doing propaganda for their player and all that kind of stuff. I'm a little bit tired of it. Obviously, I just want us to win. We are top of the league so far. We just want it to carry on. So how is it important is it winning with your favourite players in the side? <laughs> winning with your favourite players, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't really care about it. <laughs> I, I really don't care about it. To be honest, I know there's some people that say, oh, yeah, oh, thingy scored is still nil-nil, etc. I don't yeah, really care yeah. about that kind of stuff. Right? But, but for me, um, nepotism, I understand it. And I'm never going to say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's rubbish. No, I understand nepotism well. Um, and I'm not really against it. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's when you're capping and saying, oh, yeah, it's yeah. X, Y, Z, why player one's not playing and player two's playing because X, Y. I don't like that kind of stuff. Like, be honest and say, yeah, it's nepotism. I, I like him because, you know, he's English, you know, he works hard, you know, he's been at the club for yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah. Say that. I don't, I've got no problem with you saying, yeah, I, I like Pulisic because of X, Y, Z. And that's not a problem. You know what I mean? Unless, if it's got something to do with like, actually playing the game of football, Absolutely cool, no mm. problem. Um, but if you're then making up rubbish lies to slight why player X isn't playing, I think that's nuts, to be honest. And if you're going to bring stuff to, to say why player X isn't playing, it needs to bring, at least bring stats, you know, or, or, or an opinion that's actually quite valid rather than rubbish, just rubbish, based on nothing. Yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to commit to doing anyway, and I hope listeners as well, you can do the same thing, because I, I think that brings a lot of pointless arguing, but just assuming that this person, like, well, Buzzy lacks Pulisic because he's American, all that type of stuff, I think that should be a bit out of the window. Um, it, even if it's true, I really and truly, I just, I don't want to, I think we've had so many of those conversations in the past, so I think let's just try and move on for that. And let's like what Meads was saying, let's just tell the truth, innit? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's just be accurate. Yeah, I'm getting um, so sick of the, like, the, the the narrative or like my uh, side my, my side of the argument getting one over on your side because we I had a good with this player in the team and without oh. it it's 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 really getting pretty i, I hate pretty it annoying. yeah exactly it's getting annoying um all right is there anything else we want to cover i know we didn't um cover you again it was a bit ago and plus we're top of the league we want to keep it positive that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely written off the game <laughs> never <laughs> happened never happened no it honestly good, it wasn't, it was, simply it wasn't a good performance yeah, um, there wasn't even a lot to say really look good was um, was um i don't really not for she christian or christian i think he played and it looked good um good. so yeah there's not that many things to talk about right really you oh. game again creatively creatively we look lacking um yeah typical stuff really yeah, right. we'll see how this we'll see how this attack gets on uh, on the other side of the international break. See where yes. Tuchel, Tuchel lands. Yeah. Big yeah. game against Brentford. And Brentford are a very difficult team. Even yeah. Tony is scary, scary. I don't know. Right. I'm calm with him. I'm calm with him. Uh, I'm calm. I'll watch him. I'll watch him against um, Christensen. I think we'll handle that still. No problem. Okay. So, all right. Uh, Meads, Buzzy, always a pleasure. Thanks for being on. Jesse, our mm-hmm. listeners, thanks for rocking with us. Uh, meet us in the Discord. Um, also promote to your friends that are Chelsea supporters. And yeah, we will uh, we'll hear from you next week. Sarge. Sarge.
ads on Twitter and ranting Doing the most True say that money is power So when you get money, keep quiet and ghost Ghost I remember when I shot my shot But I didn't have guap, so I hit the post But next time it's a golden goal and it Sports Social Podcast Network